Hi there, welcome to or welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. Um, my name is Paul McAnallen. Thanks for joining me on this episode, um, which is probably really, um, if it's right to say, the quintessential Shift Control Podcast. Um, certainly it's a podcast that would most reflect my interest in business um, and that convergence of sales and marketing through brand, um, all about storytelling and Storytelling a la Donald Miller, not Donald Trump. Um, building a story brand, um, book by Donald Miller. Um, I've talked about Randy Olson before in Houston We Have a Narrative and there are other books that I've referenced. I've had a podcast in the past with a guy called Park Howell who runs a business called The Business of Story. And this podcast is an interview with a guy called Dave Linton who's... Um, Dave lives about 17 miles up the road from me in Lurgan. Um, he's a youth, an ex-youth worker, or actually still a youth worker, but also a CEO of a successful and growing baggage or luggage company called Madlug. Um, the, his website is madlug, M-A-D-L-U-G dot com. And I think you want to get onto um, the website at some stage during the podcast to take a look at some of the bags that you're going to end up buying as a result of a story. Um, I'd seen Dave talking, I hear a whole load of people talking about brand story and storytelling and marketing and it's really, really so disappointing when ultimately all they're doing is trying to recraft a sales pitch and call it a story. So that might work occasionally but it's not that often you you come across something that's so pure and so sincere where there evidently is a protagonist and antagonist um you know the the hero's journey or the monomyth um, a la joseph campbell and you see it taking shape in front of you and dave is just a brilliant storyteller from the narration point of view but the story itself is really just magnificent um i really hope you enjoy this podcast um i've heard the story twice now and it just it doesn't it never ceases to amaze me um or it hasn't ceased to amaze me how um this story can unfold in in the north of ireland and has the opportunity to just go on to be something so much greater than that um so yeah here it is dave linton madlug um yeah thanks dave um thanks for agreeing to guests on the show tonight it's really good to get talking to you it's good to, it's good to be here and um and, and talking to you too um we had we spent about 20 minutes talking before the podcast so i'm hoping the content is going to be still as rich on the podcast <laughs> as it was prior to this but um i i um we were talking about how we met so it was at the future of marketing event in belfast and um I had turned up with kind of some reservations about it being all data driven and analytics and about numbers and you proceeded to get up and tell this story about Madlog. Um, so before you get into your story, because I'd like to hear the story again, because it's, it's certainly well told. Can you give a bit of a, a background about what you're doing and what has got you to this point now in your business career? Yeah, well, I didn't really do business, to be honest, until uh, four years ago when I started um, Madlock. I was a youth worker for 22 years, um, basically because I love young people. Also, I love organizational structure, but I was never hungry for to to make a load of money. And so I knew that if I ran business, I would give it all away and I wouldn't be successful. 
And so four years ago, I, I started Madlog basically as a social enterprise to, um, to, to help children in care. And that's, that's really how I've engaged in business and absolutely love it now because I have something to make money for beyond myself. This is a full-time job? Full-time job. There's myself and a, another um, colleague work full-time in it. So if you were to give a, a kind of a, a, an elevator pitch for, for Madlog, which I'm sure you have done on countless occasions very successfully, what's that elevator pitch? It's basically there's 90,000 children in care in the UK and Ireland. And one child is entering that care system every 15 to 20 minutes, which equates to um, 40,000 children um, per year entering care. And many of those children have their belongings moved in black plastic bin bags and they lose their dignity. So as a response to that, basically I set up a business called Madlog, Make a Difference Luggage. We're a buy one, give one luggage company, backpacks, gym bags, suitcases. Every time we sell a bag, we give a bag to an incredible child in care so they no longer have to move their belongings um, in black bin bags and they can move with dignity. And so that's what I, what I set up four years ago. That is Madlug. And, um, and that's what we're, we're living our life, calling people to, to join us in this story. So th- that's pretty much what I heard over 45 minutes or half an hour whenever you spoke at that, uh, that marketing event, which I have to say um, was a, a, a brilliant platform for, for, for storytelling. So that, that there's two sides to this. There's the story itself, okay, which I'd like to talk about, but also there's the art of telling that story. Um, and just in the middle of your value proposition, I was writing down like the and, but, and therefore um, of that story, which there's the problem. Um, this is what's happening. There's the problem, but this is the solution. And are you aware of how that story comes across? Is this a rehearsed kind of thing for you or is this naturally how you tell your story? I, I think I naturally told, I would have started with a little bit more detail of how I got the story at the start. And then I realized that actually um, I don't even introduce myself any longer because for me, it's about just getting to where it matters and not wasting time. And so for me, it was the, the big stuff is there's 90,000. That's the stuff that, that gets me across. There's 90,000 kids in care and the one moving every 15 minutes and many of them have been bags. And so for me, that, that was the, the problem I needed to, to get out there. And so it's just, instead of wasting time, I just get out and say it. And then I build the story from that. And um, depending on time, it's generally my 60-second pitch built out um, to an hour, if I'm speaking for an hour. And um, it's just using more examples, illustrations, stories, within stories to, to really expand on those, on those areas. Um, but um, for me, it's, and it's also then leading to a place where even in a storytelling environment, always finish with an ask. And the ask is, I would love to invite you into the story. So it's never telling um, people my story, but it's inviting people to be part of the story and into the same story. Yeah, I, um, you, that's what you had mentioned when, um, when we, when I had listened to you that day, and um, I've surrounded myself with a whole bunch of notes for this because there's a few podcasts ago. I had um, interviewed Park Howell, this, this American guy based in Phoenix, who talks about the business of story, and it was he who introduced me to Randy Olson's Houston. We have a narrative, and this book is all about the and, but, and therefore. 
and he referenced Martin Luther King's famous um, I Have a Dream and he talks about the Gettysburg Address and he talks about um, the Wizard of Oz. Um, you know, what's he said? Um, there's, a little, so there's a little girl and she is living in Kansas, but one day a tornado stri strikes her, sends her away to Oz, therefore she must find her way home. And then this narrative kind of falls in line with Joseph Campbell's monolith, The Hero's Journey, and there are so many other different references to, to all of this. Um, mm. And it's very, um, where am I going with this? So a lot of people today talk about telling a brand story, but they don't really do it as effectively as you've done. Yeah, suppose it's it's you look at what your skill base is, and I I'm I don't see myself. I'm dyslexic, so having all the kind of T's crossed and I's dotted, and and understanding it all and getting all the detail right has been something not. So I've looked at what what can I do to build this business that I that I that I do. And I'm a, I was a youth worker, so I was a communicator. I you know in, in running programs and and communicating things. And, and I knew that uh, when I was passionate about something, then I could just share that story. And suppose it's then been, um, then I got kind of came across the Building a Story Brand um, podcast about three, four years ago, Donald Miller. And the whole thing is if you confuse, you lose. And how to clarify your story and your message and how they've built and recommend building business without huge marketing spends, their own business they didn't spend. Um, any marketing budget until they're over a quarter million pounds, um, you know. And so I started to listen to this. Really, it was one of those podcasts every week I couldn't wait to listen to. In the earlier stages, it was more about marketing. Now it's a lot of really great leaders. So it's it's not built around because the books out now. You you just get the book. But um, that for me was just then I started crafting. I went for walks with the dog headphones on, listen to podcasts, re-listen to stuff, thought, how can I share that story? How can I use that structure format? And the, the key part was, how do I help the customers be the hero of the story? And, um, and I started really to wrestle with that because the, in my world, I was getting awards and, and people were going, this is great and you're brilliant. And, and it would be far easy to be projected into a hero of this story of kids in care. So you become the hero rather than the actual... Rather, the customer is the yeah. hero of the story. Where what we're So my job now is to invite people into story. So first of all, I've got to say the problem, to, to, to give my problem to make it their problem. Yeah. So that's because that's how we change the world in, in this area, is that if people don't know about it, they'll never change. So now I've got to make them know one, and hopefully they have the same impact. Can, can, I, can I ask you a question? You talk about the the, the customer, right? So there are, are there, is it right in saying there are two customers in your story, or the two there are two heroes in your story? I, I would say there's there's the customer, and and then there's the benefactor. So there's the so it's the so in some ways we're not um, there's not a problem we're trying to fix. We're, well, there is a problem we're trying to fix, but we're not the, the kids in the care is the ones that we want to rescue. So they're the ones who, the story in, in, the, in the place where we're out to rescue. And the customer is the person who has been empowered to be the hero in rescuing those kids. Yeah. Not, not Dave. So it's, and then the job of the guide is, and this is all story brands, nothing that I've kind of worked out myself. This, the, the well, whole this, this is, is like, this is like uh, Indiana Jones. This is like, um, oh God, uh, Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible. This is like, um, if the Karate Kid... He, James Bond. Yeah, totally. There's a, on the saw, if you rescue it, 
And then the, the role of the guide is you introduce people, so you become Q in the James Bond film. <laughs> That's exactly. You, so you're, you're, you're doing this and you're saying, here's a problem, need to go. And then you're giving, you're giving them the tools, which That's is right. that we're provided mad load bags to be the... So when you are a mad load bag, you then are the hero of the story. But then if you notice the guide in every film, and again, this is Donald Miller stuff, comes at the end of this story. So at the end of every James Bond film, you've got James Bond land on a boat, a boat, kind of relaxing. And guess what the phone call is? Yeah, we need you to go again. <laughs> so then, yeah, so it's the, it's the rap concluding the story, um, but you're empowering the hero. And so that's, that's me, make the customer know, or make the customer know the problem. And then say, rather than set up a new business every time somebody has a problem, you, you have the same feeling as I have. Now I've got a bag instead of you having to set up a company of bags. Yeah. And yeah. you buying that one bag can make a difference. And so within the, the four-year period that you went from being fully immersed in youth work to being a businessman, um, was this what other sources in marketing did you did you discover um, or was it simply the brand story process that you kept on revisiting and um, just immersing yourself in? Yeah, I, I think I didn't realize the amount of training I was getting in youth work for marketing. Mm-hmm. And I was always trying to get young people to attend programs. And, and it was always done with no budget. So, um, you know, so the, so the skill in that is that you became a jack. Now, this is a downside in business because then you do everything and you don't give things away. But actually, um, at the start, there was this element where you just end up being creative and you end up, you put the flyers out and you communicate. So you're always looking at how to put copy onto, onto flyers and information to get people to convert to attend them. And, um, and then you're, you're trying to, inspire them to change and to be different and to be, you know, have a different focus and maybe where they were given a bit of hope. And and I think that, that for me was um, the resources of that. And then um, I've always been hungry. I took a couple of years out and did a bit of youth work consultancy um, in the sense of helping them with vision, structure, direction. And I, and I started connecting with, um, you know, um, Jim Collins' books on you know, get people on the bus and, um, you know, the, the good to great stuff yeah. and start with leadership and was totally loved that stuff. So again, podcasts all the way, audio books. And, um, as I married all of that together in inspiring, sharing vision, connecting people and all of that, when four years ago, I started this, that all kind of then came into play. Um, so it's been a really a school of life in many ways around this, this marketing space, but something that I'm aware has been a lot of learning and probably doing it has, has um, been doing more right than wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I would struggle to find another industry where the business owner is so in touch with the needs and wants and aspirations and demands of, of the customer or the end user, you know. You've been in the middle of that all your life. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and I believe in people, and so uh, you know, I think that that it's not something that I'm just out having to sell. But actually, I genuinely believe that every young person is incredible. I want to champion. I think I get a raw deal so often, and um, and it's particularly I'm I'm just inspired um, to be a to be kind of working in this area of helping kids in the care system. But I I would be a big champion for any young person. Um, particularly disadvantaged young people because I believe that 
that they have a lot more if people believe in them. One of the, one of the things that I remember from hearing you speak for the first time um, was the the language you used evoked a lot of it stimulated all of the senses. You know, so I wasn't just I, I could I could visualize what it felt like for you know a child every 15 minutes grabbing a bin bag and throwing their belongings in it and moving. And then when you, with the way you talk about that, you sort of get a sense for what they're leaving, what they're moving from and what they're moving to and the sense of uncertainty. And, um, you know, you can't, you start to fill in the blanks and the blanks can be filled in with really grotesque language because you start to assume the worst in some of these cases, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, Again, when you just give the elevator pitch earlier on, I could start getting a sense for, you know, the the antagonist and the protagonist, you know, the, the eternal battle between good and evil, you know. Um, it's a powerful story. Uh, you find it's easily received by the people you're speaking to, like investors and, and marketing seminars and people, they get it immediately? Yeah, I think I think people people get it. There are some people who don't, and it's, you know I've had to learn. I, I used to be really disappointed at the start whenever you would you would be standing at a at a stand and you would be talking to somebody and they just shoot the head and walk on and thinking like how can you move on, mm-hmm. you know, with that story and um, and I've just realised that actually there's lots of problems in the world and you know it's maybe not their problem to fix. And so maybe they don't need to be in to join this story. And I've just kind of, that's how I, I, I feel. It's not everybody needs to be part of this story. There's homelessness and poverty. And, Completely. And, um, and so that's, that's kind of how I deal, deal with that. Um, the thing I've learned in business, I, I'm probably being a youth worker, is, is that I'm not the, the best at asking for money in the sense of, so I've done lots of really great pitches, ask people to join the story. I'm happy enough to get people to buy a bag, but getting people to invest in the business has not been one of my strengths. So it's kind of, um, and people, so people have offered a lot of stuff, you know, and, and sometimes you get a response in every time you speak somewhere, you get an offer of, of, of help nearly to the place where I can't answer all those emails yeah. or all those kinds of cups of coffee. And, um, so there's a, there's a fine, there's a fine line, but, but that, that's kind of where I haven't really been intentional, Paul, about going for, for, for investment to, to date just because I wanted to get the business really working. And are you okay to share some of the details of how well the business is working? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we, we've had, I started with £480, simple. Um, and the reason being that um, we, we talked about it earlier is that this is Northern Ireland. People don't start bad companies. And so trying to get um, money, you know, from people at that stage was just an impossibility. There was two options was to take a little bit of money that I had, which was £500, or um, because I was a youth worker, I didn't have a lot of savings. And basically, um, or the other option was crowdfund. problem with crowdfund at the start was I can risk the failure of it. Yeah. And um, and so it was a matter of I needed to show that this, this worked. So we then took the business from £480 and we, um, I worked part-time basically and just um, built the business up till the, the following summer. And um, I, got a, I got a phone call from a journalist in the, in, the, in the Guardian and Nesta saying that we had been listed as one of the 15 new radicals for the um, UK. And that gave us a piece in the Observer that resulted in um, in simply 
we saw an increase in, in, in turnover that month. And then that took us me on the next year where I left my part-time job, youth work, did some consultancy work for um, Invest NI um, around helping other social enterprises um, get started, find their story and so forth. Um, that worked for six months. And and then I went full time into the, the the business. Got a little bit of um, entrepreneurial funding to help me do that. And um, and that summer we ended up um, doing a doing a crowdfunder, and um, we raised twenty four and a half thousand pounds in the four weeks. But the story of that is 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 pretty incredible. I had um, applied to to pitch so that I could earn win five thousand pounds and have brunch with Richard Bronson. And as a result of that, um, I didn't get through and decided, well I'm gonna be a learner today and I'm gonna go down to Belfast to the big bus that they had and see who got through, see what I can learn, um, how to how to pitch better and so forth. That resulted in um, them offering one to one sessions throughout the day and I st- I just went forward asked somebody to I'd like to speak to you about crowdfunding. She was busy. They said, you need to speak to the PR person in Virgin, um, your business. So talk to her. She thought it was brilliant. Talk to the crowdfunder. Thought the business was brilliant. Why did you not get through the pitch in? I'm going to check that out. You need to talk to this person. The person was um, communications at Virgin. And by the end of the day, I hadn't pitched. I hadn't won £5,000. But the film guys came over and they basically said, can you sign that? We believe you've got a good story to tell. And so I got the pitch to the cameras in Virgin. Um, that, that day. I thought, awesome. yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. This is a good day. Um, well, when you sell a business, you don't have a lot of money, I said. Um, and we, we a few weeks later, we're going on holidays. And I said to my wife, look, I'm going to really discipline myself not to work these two weeks in France. Uh, I'll get somebody to volunteer for me and do our, do our deliveries. And so first week was over, Saturday in between, my wife goes to the campsite, gets the laundry done, and I open the email, and they're in, it's just saying, win a thousand pounds, brunch with Richard Branson. And I read none of it apart from the first line says, 60 second video pitch. So it takes my iPad out, and I take a 60 second one take pitch, and um, and uploaded it. Never let on to my wife till about halfway through the second week. Start getting these um, buzzes of through Facebook. Um, Mad Lug's being shortlisted as a finalist um, in this competition. People trying to fool me, <laughs> and it was a matter of. I ended up realizing that we had to do a crowdfunder. I had five days to put a crowdfunding campaign together. So, um, and the other guys got a head start because I was in France and couldn't do anything at that stage. And the, win- the winner of the £1,000 was the one who had raised the most in the first 72 hours of the four-week campaign. Wow. So I come home, and I'm dyslexic and said, so writing is not my, writing story is not my strength, um, but sharing it um, is something I can do. And so I went live on Facebook and says, guys, um, I don't have any of my team around, the volunteers who do all our written stuff. But here, here it is. We're in for a competition. We can, we can um, need to raise ten thousand pounds in seventy-two hours. Who's on board? And we started. Then that following Friday, did a few 
a few emails and stuff around the build the story brand. Send it out to um, um, send that out. Then we went live. Five minutes before the seventy-two hours was up, we were sitting at seven and a half thousand pounds. We were five thousand pounds ahead of any other competition. But the reality was, we lost because one of two of the companies came in with six thousand pound pledges in the last five minutes, and we had nowhere else to go. And um, the one who won got the thousand pounds. Didn't raise another penny for the rest of the campaign. Yeah. The one who came second didn't even get their targets, so they raised none. And we, as I we came in, we finished after the four weeks at £24,500, which resulted in a few months later having an email sent to me saying, as the winner of the crowdfunding um, competition, um, we would love to invite you to have brunch with Richard Branson. And so that, that led. So again, that injection of money was in the next level of, of growth. Um, and then we had this year, and then this, this August passed, we had one blogger on Instagram and Facebook who shared a picture of her five kids with mad lug bags, told her story about being in care moving, and came across mad lug, and basically we went viral. 200,000 visitors to our website in, in a weekend, and sold out in 10 hours, restocked a few days later, 10 hours again, and in between um, not having any stock, we, we raised um, £50,000 off um, cash for just donating bags to give bags to kids in care beyond even selling bags. And then, you know, I, I listened to the story there and, and everything that when you, when you consider um, right now in, in human history, it's never been more noisy in terms of the communication that's going on. You listen to various different research bodies and they say that the attention span has reduced from I think it was something like 18 seconds in 2003 down to 8 seconds now there's 13,000 messages 1,300 or 2,000 brand messages coming at you every day and yet the media channels that you have today makes it easier for you to communicate so I mean what I mean is about 20 years ago you couldn't afford to advertise in the newspaper to, yeah. to promote your brand. Word of mouth would have got you as far as ported down from Lurgan. Might have got Absolutely. you to Belfast. It wouldn't have taken you to, you've got sales, you told me, in the States and in, in England and all that sort of stuff. And also, I'm not really, up until that your story, I've never really been a big fan of influencer marketing because it's a bit like if you if you buy a book, you, you know, you really should spend a disproportionate amount of time checking out the author before you buy yeah. the book, right? So so for me, an influencer, unless I know the influencer, how do I know that they've got this kind of gravitas and this traction in that sector for the right reasons? And evidently they had for you. Well, I mean, we didn't, the thing with ours was we didn't go searching for the influencer. No, that, yes, yeah. So we, that you know, that was a, that was a, um, one of our customers. So every time we empower a customer to be a hero, they become salespeople, the, the quality and the, the story. So we, um, this influencer had was writing her own book, and she had put an, an excerpt from her book um, and mentioned the black bin bag when she was in care having black bin bags. And our customer um, basically, have you ever come across Madlug on Instagram? And introduced Madlug to the, the influencer. And um, that meant that when she came to Belfast basically to launch her book, she invited us to be there, and um, when we were 
the attendant, I couldn't make that evening, to be honest. So there was a, another my colleague went, and we were given, supposed to have five minutes to share the story um, at the evening, and we brought a shop. We sold one bag in the whole evening. It was a bit of a disaster, and um, the the evening ran on that we didn't get our five minutes. And all my colleague did the whole night was take drunk women to taxis, and um, and felt like well, and the only thing he did was he he was chatting and he gave basically the influencer a backpack each for her for her kids. That was the only thing with no can you take a picture, can you? It was just, well we would love to give you a backpack. And um, she made the choice basically when we didn't even know it was coming and put five five kids with the backpacks on. And there are there are people who go out every day who are paid to go out and try and find influencers and pay them fifty quid for a mention or 40 grand for a mention and they never really quite get that level of value back because that's the true come join our story be part of this story be the hero help the hero absolutely so, so I'm not a I'm, you know I've never gone after an influencer um, in fact I've learned from the, the the Richard Branson thing for me was that we because we have in some ways two groups we've got a customer who buys and then we have the supporters in the sense of the healthcare, social workers, and so forth that receive bags. So we would have a lot of. Um, I use Twitter for that kind of connecting with the the social space. Yeah. And we have a lot of supporters and social workers and so forth. Once they saw the picture of me with Richard Branson, they put they assumed that Richard Branson was investing money into my blog, um, rather than just I had breakfast with him. Big picture, very like, small headline. <laughs> yeah, and I got I got basically a lot of um, a lot of emails um, asking what's the deal with Virgin and um, and Madlug because we would have concerns because of some of the Virgin are trying to privatize some of the health service. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I hadn't really thought about it because I was just in all of this this guru which I look up to as a leader as a as an entrepreneur. And thought, wow, such an opportunity to me. And I learned something that day. It was connecting brand with brands, associating your brand, and you know, making sure that um, you know, making sure that we're connecting with the right brands. So the real the reality is that I've no problem going and having breakfast. There's no problem somebody else sharing our story. But I'm really, really cautious about money. Yeah. Because that's a sign of agenda. That's a sign of, um, you know trying to maybe use our brand to get another way in. It just made me more worry about um, how we connect it. So that... No, I, was, I wanted to ask you a question just as you say that because um, and I haven't... It, it could have been one that... Um, it's kind of a question that maybe had you... If you're prepared for it, you'll give a different answer, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway. And it's that we've been talking for about half an hour and you've been telling the story and it's like conventionally with and with most marketing books and conventionally against some marketing books there will be a book written about this i'm fairly certain about that because it is a or at least very very strong case studies um but there's definitely there's definitely a book in it but you're telling the story and it seems that it's just been a wonderful journey over four years but have you hit any real sort of speed bumps or have you hit any brick walls where you've had your confidence knocked to the point where you think this is not going to work There's been lots of days where you want to give up, um, and I think loneliness for me is the in a, an entrepreneurial. So I love to be around people. I love to do team. I love to, 
And um, there's days when you just kind of go, I, I don't know if I can keep going at this. But it's always backed up the next day with, a, with a, an impact story that refocuses, reconnects. And um, I suppose I, because I'm not driven for personal gain in this, I've, you know, and I, that is, I have, I have such a, and I, I don't say this to be some hero or something, but I just have no drive. I'm really content in what I have, where I live, all the stuff. I have no drive to be. Yeah, so that I, I'm operating at a place of contentment, and 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 so when I, when you're in that place, then you know it doesn't take much to make this work. Yeah. You know, have enough. If my life is low and I'm not living in the beamer and I'm not doing that stuff, not that that's wrong, but for me, if it's not what I need, then I know that that actually, you know, I I don't need. To this to be a multi-million pound business I need it to be because it has more impact on kids and that's what the, the drive is but it, it's yeah so that's kind of where, where where I operate and I think that's just being partly a youth worker partly my default in the sense of um, just what drives me um, and my but does, that, does that mean that your internal story is um, you stick to your internal story as much as your external story yeah absolutely Absolutely. So, I mean, I, you know, my internal story is that why, you know, I'm, I'm driven out of values, I'm driven out of, um, you know, I've always been from a, like, for me, I lost my dad when I was five, you know, and, and so I've never been orphaned in the sense, I've been orphaned in the sense of this terminology is that's an orphan, but I've never been a care or anything, um, I have a caring family, but, you know, I know what it is to have significant people around and I know what it is to be, you know, to, to have these non-blood aunts and uncles who step in and do community and take you on holidays and care for you. So I, that drives me. I'm also, I suppose, wrestled all my life with learning what my leadership style is, what my personality style is. And I've really got to, you know, people say I think too much about that stuff. But actually, for me, that's the, the place of contentment is that I don't strive to be, try and fit into or, um, you know, I, I, I know I'm a creative, but then I know that the whole kind of um, admin-y sort of stuff is that I, like, whenever we grow mad like the next level, I need a I need a, an operational CEO in place quicker than probably somebody else would need. But I'm content with that, and I'm, you know, I'm happy to take a lesser salary so I can have that. You know, if I need a PA, I'll, 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 I'll take a lesser salary to have a PA because it's just, um, yeah, as long as I have enough to do. That's 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 where I where I'm where I'm at, um, and that's what is very much your internal story and being self-aware. I think is is key to to doing it. And I've been privileged to have lots of leadership input, coaches and people who have I've always sought that out and and had people do great pro bono stuff for me and um, from courses that I could never afford as a youth worker and and prioritise that sort of thing. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Ah, best. The best advice that I have been given is um, to, to, to don't stay too long in the red zone. And so talk, talking about, you know, I would be, my, my natural would be to keep going, keep going, keep going. I'm driven. And um, well, what it says, it's fun. But um, if you drive a car in the red zone of the, the, the speedo, it, it soon burns out. So, um that's the best advice I've been given, you know, as far as um, 
for um, not not balanced but blended, getting blended life and not living, you know, staying too long in the red zone. That's a good bit of advice for everybody. Yeah, that's a good bit of advice. What's what's the that um, only comes out off ball when you're in this place of contentment. Yeah, you know, if if, if you're if you feel that the now is not enough, well then you keep driving, and that's whenever you're in the you get faster and faster and faster trying to get the thing that, that because you're not content with where you're at. So. What keeps you grounded then? What keeps you aware and what keeps you believing or at least agreeing with what you can see? I think what keeps me grounded is being married and, um, and, and you know, having my wife who is, who is great, um, you know, at supporting, but she's also very strong at challenging me, keeping me level, keeping me focused. And, um, and I think that for me is the thing that keeps me, you know, I, I couldn't do this job if I, if I was on my own, I would struggle. Yeah, because you know it would at times go to your head. You know it would get me into trouble. But I have, um, you know, I have a wife who, you know, when you come home it's, and the kids, you just have to, to get into that space and not live in this kind of. Yeah, it's it's very it's very apparent from what you said that you have had this very single-minded vision, but you haven't acted single-mindedly. You know. Yeah. Somebody yeah. or other people, and if you're seeking good advice from from business coaches or, or other leaders in business and and you've got a stabilizing influence at home that's a fairly potent combination right yeah well i mean it's not that it's all so great but you just have to you know the thing is you've got to be intentional i think with 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 these things you know um and, it's, and be ahead of the game so the thing is that you know at that place of intent you've got to, you've got to um, prioritize meetings so i might not have um many formal coaches at the minute but I spend a lot of time with my business friends you know having breakfast and using them as coaches and holding me account and challenging me and you know asking the hard questions when I'm in you know kind of 10 years down the line thinking it's tomorrow and they're going to be as well like you know do you know how many bags that is a month type thing so you know I I just want to hang out take every opportunity to be part of um, spending time um, with people and allowing people to be challenged and, and, and getting to the nuts and bolts of, of um, you know, just being real, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the things I said at the very start about attending that marketing event that I had this expectation that it was all going to be about data analytics and numbers and optimize this and optimize that. And there's a guy called um, Dave Trott. You should check out his website for storytelling. It's DaveTrot.com. He writes for Campaign Live, um, one of the marketing magazines. He was um, an inspiring creative in his day. He was a partner in GGT, Gold Green, Gold Greenless Trot, who used to do the advertising on TV for like these, I think maybe British Gas is Sid there. I think maybe something like that. Maybe not, but really, really... Um, outstanding creative work and he he had a he has a, a blog and one of the headlines in the blog recently was data is facts but not the truth <laughs> you know, and I, I think in marketing we've moved to a point where data seems to drive everything you know it's like analyze this and no the numbers are over here and it's x percentage of this particular cohort blah 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 and i'm not mocking it but i i've i, I think there's a hopefully a revision of that and a trend towards getting more into finding out the truth of the brand and finding out the truth of what the customer needs and and this 
idea of storytelling from protagonist to dynamic guide to antagonist to um, the hero's journey to and but and therefore in the arc of the story I think that we've been telling stories for centuries totally maybe we're just going back to the place where it all started yeah I I think it's that's that's exactly I think we're finding the art of what has always been there but we're now making sense to um, how it fits on business, how it fits in in movements, and, and and we've got probably greater mechanisms to get those stories out, as you said a few you know a few minutes ago, is that before you would get as far as reported down, but actually we have a global communication tool, and that's our laptops or our phones, and um, the social media world, and although it's it's maybe bad at times. It allows us to get good stories out to a wider audience. The um, you used the word movement. That was that was something I'd written down earlier. And there, there's a sense that it has the potential to be a far-reaching movement beyond just maybe these two islands. And um, is that something you have a vision for, or is that your modesty would hold you back from admitting to that? No, I've I have no problem. Um, I have no problem admitting that we we see this as a global a global brand a global global movement, and the reason the reason being is that if it was just Northern Ireland or even Ireland, it would have been a place where we could have run a few marathons, we could have sorted the problem out without starting a business. But actually, the problem is a global problem. So it's not for the sake of building a brand to have a global brand again to make the the hero Madlug the hero of the story. But it's, there are kids in every one of these countries. So if you take states, there's half a million kids in America. You take Australia, there's another um, large amount. You take Canada, you go, and then you've got into the development world. And you start to see where there, there are vulnerable children in the care system who, you know, need to be treated. First of all, they're, you know, we, Madlug has grown awareness of them and, and shouting out how incredible they are. But then there's also we're practically being able to help in a very small way through through given bags, and um, but it's so not I, a small way. You see, this is this is the thing. This is the, the kind of dichotomy in my head that this is a massive thing. It's a small thing for somebody who's buying the bag, but for a fourteen or fifteen year old child who's house jumping, it's them leaving one house without a black bin bag. And this it's, absolutely, and and it is a huge, huge, huge thing. So I suppose that's been the learning I've had in this is that. Um, the thing that seems in our world, there's those who aren't moving up in bags, it seems insignificant, is the thing that's significant. And so um, that for me has been the stuff that in the story is that I suppose when I think of story and when I think of Madlow's story, it's the bin bag, the thing that seems insignificant of drawing that into a place of significance. Yeah. And, and, and I think too many um, social businesses go too wide. They don't find the black bin bag story, which is the thing that that seems insignificant. They're not prepared to go there, or they're not prepared to give the time to that, which then results in having this kind of, uh, you know, then they go too broad. So anybody could talk about children in care, anybody could talk about homelessness and poverty, but the thing that puts connect story is what is your black bin bag story? What is the thing that seems insignificant in that? And then you go, I think, and you go into the, the the world outside of social business 
and again, it's finding the thing that nearly feels insignificant is the gem in your story for, for, for the area you're in. So like you may be aircrafts, but you find your wee niche and you, you and, and people around you go, well, that's not going to make a world of a difference. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the thing that's the jewel. It's the thing that becomes the thing. And, um, and so I really challenge people to open their eyes, you know, rather than, you know, doom and gloom, open your eyes, look for the black bin bag stories. And um, in social business, that for me is live life, you know, find out what your black bin bag story, be inspired by Madlog. So Madlog is a movement, I believe, that is impacting kids in care. But it's also a movement that is inspiring others to be a, um, to be setting up businesses and other movements that are, are hitting other bin bag stories in different areas. So, we, and I've helped um, some companies do that in areas of homelessness and poverty and education in, in the last couple of years. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt. I mean, it's a, the two stories that I see, one is the actual, the literal story about what you're doing and then the other side is from a, a business stroke marketing kind of sales pitch, you know. And one of the things that I would strive to, when, I, when I'm coaching sales teams or salespeople, high performance or low performance or medium performance or and working in marketing strategies, I always think rule number one is to make yourself understood. And most people have got really, really strong um, stories that are badly told. And some people have, you know, the, the reverse of that. And I think everything you say there, you can dissect it to the customer value proposition, your elevator pitch, your strap line, your mission statement, your vision of values. And all of them are really, really clear in how you speak about your business. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a, it makes it easier to relate to. Because if you consider at this time of year, um, the Simon community and um, the homelessness plight in around the big cities and, and certainly in some of the more rural kind of outposts, like the, the homelessness in Dungannon and places like Armagh and Portadown, you, you know this yourself. And everybody's fighting for airtime and everybody's taking billboards and everybody's taking TV campaigns and take out your choker boxes at Easter and all that sort of stuff. But this is an ongoing thing and, and your numbers are really clear and they're very stark and the message is very simple. But it's it's a story that breaks through all of the white noise and it really stands out very prominently, you know, and it's a credit to you. It really is, you know. I, th- I think the, 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 the thing that we've got to get better at is not this is collaboration and seeing it so that for me that one of the reasons i i went down the business approach was because i believe in the kids in the care system every time if we had gone into a charity space would have been raising money doing the billboards doing the, the tv ads um going to the same funding bodies that are funding the current place is knowing that that pot isn't getting bigger so i knew that actually if i went in i could probably get innovative clear the story, but what would happen is that I would then take funding away from other organizations that their structures are dependent upon funding. And ultimately, you know, yes, there's jobs would be at risk and yes, there would be, but ultimately it's kids yeah. that I was starting this that yeah. would be impacted. And so it becomes me again in the sense of creating a space. So I, I, I was really intentional with, the, with the, the rest of the people that I met with in the care system and providing service to the care system was we want to be champions of them. We want to be, um, you know, we want to stay outside the funding space to allow them to, to do what they do really well and to be a champion and also potentially 
be a funder of some of that. You know, if we get business working, we can do more than give bags. Yeah. I, was, I, know, I use the word if we get business, we're getting, we've got business working, but we get business scale to a global high. We can, we can, we can impact kids and care in a wider place. Yeah. Just yeah. than 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 bags. No, ab- absolutely, and um, it will only be a different chapter to a, a never-ending story, I, I suspect, you know. Um, Dave, I'm conscious of the time. We've had a good 45 minutes there. Um, I, if people wanted to get in touch with you now, um, and I'm not suggesting for one second you're going to be inundated for pre-Christmas orders, but if they wanted to check out what you do and how they would get in touch. So corporately, for example, you have some very, very, um, you have some businesses that will get buy all of their workman bags from you right now? Yeah, so we we um, we supply um, a major uh, construction company with their technical team um, staff and bags. So they get a laptop, they get a, a Madlug bag. And um, and so we're looking to scale, scale that. But Madlug's basically, <clears throat> I believe, um, they're, in fact, they, they make great gifts um, at this time of year. Um, we have, we're selling orders out of four or five, eight bags in one order, and um, which is phenomenal. I mean, I, I wouldn't imagine some of the, the other branded bags would be sending backpacks out at this time of the year in those kind of quantities in one order. Um, but also, is there they're great um, gifting for corporate? And, um, you know, we, but our whole thing is we want to empower people to tell a story. So if we can get companies being part of this movement, to be the heroes in our story that to come and be part of this, that every one of their staff traveling through airports is carrying a Madlug bag, telling the story of Madlug. Um, that that's that's the dream, but the dream is even bigger than that. Because can I tell you a story, Paul? Go ahead. Yeah. 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 So um, so basically, um, the dream started with a, a bin bag, but here here's where the, the the dream has gone and is going. Is that I met a guy, a young guy, teenager, 17 and a half, called Jay, at a youth event, um, a festival. It was three or four days long in the summer. And um, I was introduced to him by a youth worker who um, had previously told me he had a young person in care in their group. And I offered to give him a free um, backpack, not a giving bag that we normally give, but a backpack on that site. It was 1,500 young people. There was over 300 young people carrying mad lug bags. So there was no way this kid would ever get um, be stigmatized for being a care kid because he had to blend it in. And um, as I was giving him the bag, he kept saying, this is amazing, this is amazing, this is amazing. And at that stage, I said, what's really amazing? And as I started to share it, tears came down my eyes and, and I started to well up and I had to say sorry. And he says, that's all right. So this guy from care, he had been in care for 10 years. He had moved in one um, fortnight 15 times, all with a black bin bag. He had a drug issue that, that he was in intensive foster placement and as a um, and, and had been clean for a, um, a good while. But So he got this bag. As I finished saying, what is amazing, what is amazing? I says, what is amazing is if you go outside this venue, into that campsite, there's over 300 young people who have chosen to buy Madlug bags over all the other brands. And I said, why? Because every one of them believes that you're incredible. Hmm. He came back later that evening 
and he basically had a young girl who was half his size and she smiled. She said nothing. She just glowed. Uh, and in the 22 years of youth, well, I've never seen a young person glow. He shared the story to her. But he then grabs me, fires his arms around me, gives me this hug, 17 and a half year old bloke. And he says, um, I just came back to say thank you again. Yeah. Two days after the event was over, he comes on the Facebook Messenger into the Mad Bug. And he says, I met Dave Linton at this event. I was blown away by your business. I'm going to be 18 very soon, and I have decided that the money I get for my 18th birthday, I'm going to give it to the work of Madload so that other young people can experience what I experienced. Wow. And, and I, I learned something that day of going, this is the movement. The movement, the, the story that we're inviting people into is, yes, bin bags and removing bin bags, but it's a, it's a movement where we have an army in villages, towns, cities, right across the world that is saying to every young person in the care system, that we believe in you. We believe you're incredible. And so my challenge now as a, as a previous youth worker is this, how do I get every young person in the care system to know about Madlug? Yeah. They receive a giving bag, but there'll be a lot more. <coughs> and as we see this kind of non-verbal um, communication of care, to, to young people who their story to me often is, Dave, we feel lost in a care system. We feel nobody cares for us. We feel that everybody that cares for us is paid to care, foster carers, social workers. Um, and, and even though they're, that's not the case, that's how they feel. Mm. And we empower society to actually pay for a bag and show that they care and be the brand that stands out. So that for me is movement. Let's get this global movement going. And and be a movement that is actually empowering society to be people who care for the orphans and those who are disadvantaged in our society and often lost with no voice and we can't communicate any other way to them. I mean, that's just a, yet a, another very powerful story and that keeps the child very central to the whole proposition. And I just looked on your website um, you know, helping children in care carry their lives with dignity. I mean, the messaging is really strong. The everything about it is very humble. You know, it's very. You know, the the brand is just it's it's exceptional. You know, when you think of the some of the stories that lie behind behind some of the sporting brands that aren't necessarily so ethically strong, and Naomi Klein and No Logo talks about all that sort of stuff and. People are still probably talking about it, maybe less and less. But this is flipping that whole thing on its side, you know. And it's just, it's the the whole idea of doing good, buy one, give one. Um, and the products look amazing, Dave. Honestly, they look really, really strong. I'm gonna just read out the the URL is madlug.com, M-A-D-L-U-G.com. Um, and I think that anybody who's listening to this could, uh, when it's safe to do so, whether they're listening on a mobile or at their desk, is is uh, go to the website and start trying to plug in some orders for Christmas here because um, their products are brilliant. The story is superb and the story is is really powerful, Dave, on every single level. And, and I'm, I'm just really um, delighted to get the chance to talk to you um, on my platform because I think you're destined for some really great things here. This is really, really brilliant, you know, really brilliant. Thank you very much. It's, it's been good to, to be on your podcast. 
Um, so listen, um, I'm going to wish you uh, just just before we, we sign off here. Um, if people do make their orders now, it's a pre-Christmas rush that you're delighted to receive, or are you going to say, "Look, curb your enthusiasm here, people," and are you going to be busy? Or uh, we never turn business away. That's what I uh, like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're 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 good to go with um, our deliveries. Um, I would encourage you to get them in before the the last shipping day for. Um, Standard post is the 18th of December. So the only thing we'll stop that is if, if we run out of stock and, and orders are up at the minute. So good man, good man. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna share this far and wide as is the nature of all my podcasts. So I'm gonna send it out to my small network and hopefully they will in turn resend it on. Um, Dave, for for the time you spent this evening, um, I thank you. But probably in the bigger picture, for you know for all the work you're doing that's leading, that just helps you narrate the story, that's keeping the customers, keeping the people that really need really central. Um, thank you very much, man. It's such a, it's a deadly story and long may it continue to flourish. And thanks for, thanks again for, for joining me tonight. No, you're very welcome. It's been, it's been brilliant. Uh, so thanks for having me on your show. It's great. All right, man. I'll talk to you again soon, but uh, Merry, Merry Christmas and um, all the very best. Send yourself. So yeah, thanks for um, tuning into that podcast. I hope it uh, kind of resonated with you on on the very obvious level. Um, Madlug.com, if you're thinking of any last minute Christmas presents. And for those of you um, who can affect change or influence at a corporate level, then um, who's to say that mightn't be the perfect corporate gift for your business next year? Um, just as an aside before I go, um, I'm conscious that the quality of the production of the podcast um, is uh, up and down um, and those oscillations unfortunately are sometimes out of my control so I'm going to try and change the format of the podcasting and try and get a little bit um, more sophisticated in the production of this but thanks for your support some of the feedback has been really positive over the last number of months um, and it's a medium I kind of enjoy and hopefully it gives some value to you guys that are listening. So thank you very much and um, I'll be back soon.